0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Laurel Parmet's astute feature narrative debut, The Starling Girl, zeroes in on the life of 17-year-old Jim Starling, as she struggles to define her place within her fundamentalist Christian community of rural Kentucky. Even her greatest joy of dancing with the church group is tempered by worry that her actions are sinful and she is caught between her burgeoning awareness of her own sexuality and her religious devotion. It's a beautifully rendered film. We're joined today by the screenwriter and director of this wonderful film, The Starling Girl, and that would be Laurel Parmit. Laurel, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you so very much. Uh, this is a film about a young woman coming to grips with not only her circumstances in life and in her family, the turmoil within her family, but also in this very important part of her life, which is her belief in religion, in the doctrine of the church that she belongs to, and this is all very important to her, but she's also beginning to understand the world around her and where she fits into all of this. What inspired you to write this story?
1: You know, a few different things. It's a very personal story to me in a lot of ways. When I was a teenager, I had... um, our relationship or I, I hesitate to call it that even a similar kind of relationship with an older man um started when I was 16 and I didn't see myself as a victim or anything like that I saw myself as mature and and like I had agency and um after it had ended I had a lot of guilt about it pushed those feelings aside didn't think about it for a while pursued him. And so I think that's where a lot of the guilt had come from. And then, you know, many years later, I was in Oklahoma, um, doing research for a different film. And I met a group of women from a patriarchal church. You know, I spent time with them really, like, as research for this other project, I didn't know that I was going to make a film in this subject. And um, it ended up just being this really critical, meaningful time for me. Because in learning about these women's beliefs, you know, particularly their attitudes towards their, their bodies and their sexuality and, you know, how it's a woman's responsibility to not lead a man into temptation, no matter her age, it just got me thinking about my own relationship with my body and sexuality. And it made me think about my relationship in ways that I hadn't before and reflected back on, you know, made me ask myself where this guilt had had come from, despite the fact that this person had really sort of taken advantage of me. And um, yeah, I decided that I wanted to tell a story looking back at my experiences and, and, and set it in this world that is a very specific world, but really reflects our culture at large. And you know, we live in a country that's very much affected by conservative Christian thought. It directly affects our lives, even if we're not practicing. And so I think this was also me seeking to understand this world better that affects me so directly. In doing so, I ended up finding a tremendous amount of admiration and an interest in faith.
0: Jim is a wonderful character for a lot of reasons, and not the least of which is the performance of Eliza Scanlon, but Mm -hmm. also her the time and place in her life. And I'm going to be screaming this from the rooftops during our conversation, and that is patriarchy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And she is dealing, what makes her character so fascinating and the journey that she's on is that she's dealing with almost every form of patriarchy that you can deal with in a very compressed period of time, right? (laughs) She's, She's dealing with the patriarchy within her family, although that isn't as pervasive as it it is in other areas. The church, mm-hmm. it's all about patriarchy. And it's the acceptance on the part of these women who who embrace it. And then, yeah. yeah and, and and then, of course, the presentation of a courtship to her over the court. There's a lot of things working in terms of not only where she is, but where she will end up in terms of patriarchy in this film.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and and I wrote it so that you see how it affects all of the characters, right? I mean, yes, very, very much. I mean, she is our protagonist, so of course we we see we're exposed the most to how it affects her. But it affects all of the characters in not great ways. You see her father struggle with it and, you know, his place within, that, the expectations that are placed upon him within this community. You see how it affects her mother and how she wants to project uh, the you know, facade of the family, uh, this perfect Christian patriarchal family. You see it with Owen with her youth pastor and how the culture unfortunately is such that it allows these abusive relationships to happen. and he doesn't even I, he doesn't even realize what he's doing. He doesn't even realize what he's doing is problematic. And it just really, yeah, the, you know, the culture just fosters abusive behavior. And, you know, it's ultimately at the end of the day, the patriarchal culture forces people to not live their own truth. Um, and that's something that Gemma's is struggling with throughout the film.
0: She's smart. She's adaptive. She is she senses there's something beyond where she is. She doesn't mm-hmm. quite understand what that might be. We begin to see the, with all of a lot takes place in the first 20 minutes of this film. A lot of okay, we had to pack a lot in there. <laughs> a lot of things happen in that period of time. But they set it up for the rest of the film to play out. And again, mm-hmm. it's this multifaceted approach that you tell that you take to telling this story that is impressive. First of all, as a filmmaker, C- congratulations on that. But also, it's so illuminating. In in a way that I think is very relatable. And one of the things that I was struck by, again, you know, the support of this system of patriarchy. And I found this in other I've seen other films, documentary films, but narratives as well about how supportive and important it is for women to support patriarchy in the sense. And you see her mom. And, and I will say this out of out of all the right reasons, quote, unquote, right reasons that her mom is supportive of the idea that she would be courted by somebody that was being approved by the church for her to be with. So that's one example to me. She was, she was touting his, his virtue or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, she
0: was. so, so the, all of these elements and through it all, we see Jim again, i say adaptive is maybe she's resourceful throughout the film.
1: She is, she's, you know, she goes for what she wants, even though i think sometimes she doesn't realize that she's doing it you know she has these desires and she has the this hunger sort of boiling underneath the surface for her that drives her and she early on is really suppressing it and by the end of the film it's it's sort of taken over for her
0: yeah she's undone by it at times which i'm thinking of the first the first instance that i recall from the film is the dance that they do at the beginning and then she's told that something inappropriate was happening with her undergarments Mm -hmm. and and so that she's undone by that but then again she kind of bounces she kind of takes it in because she's devout she and that's the other thing i would say to anyone who's wondering about watching the starling girl and are of a fundamentalist christian belief I think you can watch this film and feel good about in general there may be particular points which you may differ with but in general the portrayal of the church and the ethos of the church I think is very very fair in the film
1: I would hope so i mean that that was a really very important thing for me to get right especially because i didn't grow up in a fundamentalist community i didn't want to mock or condescend to anybody in this world and I wanted the audience to be invested in these characters and in their stories and not just be like watching judgmentally from afar from like, you know, their liberal bubble or wherever they're coming from, you know, and it's really, it should be a film that I see it as almost like it it's a celebration of faith because over the course of the film, Jem begins to define her relationship with God on her own terms versus what the church tells her that it should be and you know and she's questioning things and and that is a very that's a christian thing to do to question and that's okay you can have faith and and you can have a relationship with god and ask questions her her love of herself and her love of her dance and and all of the things that make her her as an individual is tied up with her with her love for god too it doesn't have to be one or the other and there are other, a lot of you know there are other characters in the film that are struggling with that what can be for them is a paradox, but it doesn't have to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I want to make sure that we have uh, Owen, who is the, the son of the, of the pastor,
1: mm-hmm. who
0: steps into her life. And there's a cat and mouse game that goes on between them for a period of time. So she begins to as part of, I think, as part of her own kind of agency over her sexuality, begins to explore these possibilities in her life. And Owen is the cool pastor, mm-hmm. the cool guy. And so she starts to strike up, although initially, I think it's kind of transactional. She wants to head up the dance troupe. And and then, then from there, things kind of evolve into something more. I, I thought that that re- relationship well, I mean, in many ways, it's it's the most dynamic part of the film in terms of driving the story, and yeah, I thought that was yeah. handled very well. I just I want to congratulate you on finding that that kind of that sweet spot of this is kind of icky. I mean, it's I maybe mean, that's not the right word. This is inappropriate.
1: No, icky is a great word. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is icky, and then and then it. But then there is something that you see in Owen eventually that sort of gives gives his his loss he's lost him his life in some way and
1: absolutely he's
0: finding, he's finding it in Jim
1: yeah absolutely well thank you I'm glad that, that worked for you um that is you know what I spent the most energy on in this film was getting that balance right of their relationship where yeah sometimes you were rooting for them to be together and then other times you're like oh god wait why did I want that and you know I mean for me that is the most fun as a Fun thing as a director to design and and um, facilitate, you know, just getting those beats right in the scenes and, you know, changing a reaction here or changing a look here, where it changes the entire meaning of something um, within their like their power balance. And it's very subtle, it's very fun. Um, but yeah, you know, so much of that came down to our amazing cast, Lewis and Eliza. they're uh, incredible performers, and um, you know, rehearsing with them and working with them. and um, you know, and then it also really comes down to how we shot it as well and and uh the editing and the music. um it was very much uh, we made a conscious decision to I use this word or this phrase that's like a studied nonchalance, essentially, where like, you know, we are revealing the story to the audience, but I didn't want to put too much on it emotionally in the visuals or in the music. Like, it was very much about just letting the story unfold so that the audience could interpret it how you know how they interpret it rather than me telling them how to feel about it and so that did a lot of the work too in making this relationship sort of ambiguous and yeah and at the end of the day you know Owen the youth pastor's character he is lost and he is searching and I never wanted him to be this like obviously bad creepy guy I think one I think that's just boring (laughs) like just it's a filmmaking device and two you know it's these abusive relate quote-unquote abusive relationships you know they can be very nuanced and sometimes it's not so easy to call them out and see it sometimes it's not so black and white sometimes it is sometimes it isn't and in this case I wanted to show a relationship that yeah that was problematic but also we could see why our character was falling for this guy uh, he is a lot of positive attributes about him. He's very open-minded. He is telling Jen she can be whatever she wants to be in a community where she's been told the exact opposite her whole life. So, And Jen has agency. She is pursuing him, and she gets a lot of good things out of the relationship. And so it's it's many different things.
0: I just want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Laurel Parmet. She is the screenwriter and director of this wonderful narrative film called The Starling Girl. It is out now. Is it still a theatrical release? Or is no,
1: it, no more in theaters, but now available to rent or buy wherever you rent or buy movies online. The, the <laughs>
0: usual suspects. A couple of things before we get off the the cast part, because I do want to talk about the cinematography, the editing. I thought it was beautifully done. But a couple of people, I mean, Lewis Pullman is Owen, and he's obviously, as we've been talking about, dynamic character does a great job. But two people that I thought were really important was uh, Ren Schmidt as her mom. I thought she mm-hmm. really nailed her role. I thought she, she really did. owned every time she was on screen. She really owned the owned what was going on. I thought she was terrific.
1: Yeah, she and she is terrific. She's a wonderful human being. Um, the whole cast is, I should say. She did an audition for the role, and I saw it, and she immediately stood out to me. I was looking for someone who, on top of their talent, had an air about them that would oppose visually a little bit of like the character's harshness like Ren is has a you know she has freckles and red hair and she's very pretty and she has a very sweet voice and I liked how that sort of goes against like tough hard as nails mom trope and she also she she grew up in South Carolina so like she she could get you know southern culture real you know she knows it but she, mostly it was just her audition where she played this character when she was speaking about God. She just spoke about it matter of factly as if, you know, God was like everyday part of her life. And like, as if you like, or have to like change the oil in your car, go grocery shopping. Whereas like everyone else who auditioned, every time we talked about God, it was like imbuing the lines with such intensity. And, and it's like, you know, for people who are fundamentalists, God is part of every day obviously like he is everything to you but you talk about him every day so it's yeah, it's kind exactly. of matter of fact and so she was the only person who auditioned who like got that right and I was like oh I have to meet her and then you know after meeting with her just sealed the deal
0: and finally and quickly because I'm skipping over a lot of wonderful uh actors because I'm and...
1: talking too much probably I'm sorry no no not at all <laughs> not
0: at all Jimmy Simpson does a wonderful job as the dad in this and uh, but the one who's just sort of set the tone he's kind of commands the the time he's on screen and sets such a tone for the rest of the film is Kyle Sikor who as the pastor he yeah. just he has this bearing he looks for sure like he could be that guy
1: i know he does <laughs> he's such a great look and he's so and he's like so tall and skinny which works really well with like the oversized suits too i know he did such a phenomenal job he has one very big scene in the movie. a few smaller scenes, but there's one scene where he really steals the show. And yeah. that scene could have been very one note and very preachy, yeah, <laughs> um, literally. And he, he's the pastor of the church. He he lays down the law. He was able to bring such humanity to the character. I he's not an evil human being. Right. He it's, is a, doing a- what he thinks is right and it's never coming from being malicious or anything like that and it almost makes the way that he speaks to jen about what she's done it's almost more insidious right because it's because he does it in a way that's so approachable and and like let me level with you here so it's just good yeah it gives another another layer
0: it does exactly that exactly what you said and i mean again he's not a cult leader but at the end of the day but the end of the day it's his mission to protect the church, protect yeah. the institution at all yeah. cost, Absolutely. And if people get hurt in the process, that's just the way it's going to go down. Well, we know Eliza Scanlon from Little Women, from Baby Teeth, Sharp Objects. And so she just does a wonderful job here. And she embodies the innocence and the determination that I feel like her character was about in many, many different ways. And uh, I I thought she was wonderful. And
1: I think that she is one of the best actresses of of her generation. And, you know, I knew she was good when I cast her and then I got her into rehearsal. And I was like, oh, you're like next level. There are actors out there who are are good, who are great, like at being themselves, but she can do anything. And every, Everything she does is so honest and truthful, and she is young, but she has an old soul. Her character is seventeen, and she's naive. So, so her ba- Eliza's baby face works quite well for that role. But you know, she's the character is in this in between place. She's an adolescent. She is still a child, but she's also growing up. And Eliza is able to really embody both of both of those worlds and straddle the lightness and the darkness so well.
0: I believe this is your feature length narrative debut.
1: It is, yes.
0: It bodes well for you because not only is this a wonderful film, but also there's a lot of moving parts. This is a complicated story. It's a multi-layered story, and I just thought you did a wonderful job of handling all of the different elements within the storytelling and gave them Thank the proper you. weight and the and the gave gave them the proper due that they they should have to tell the story.
1: I so, worked hard on it. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> trust your instincts. Laurel Parmet, uh, because uh, I think think it bodes well. So my congratulations to you truly for The Starling Girl. I assume you're working on a lot of projects at this point. So (laughs) somewhere down the line, I hope you'll come back and join us again.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you for your thoughtful questions.